You are listening to the Filming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Holmes, founder and lead educator at the Filming Life Academy, the largest online community of family filmmakers in the world, where I teach photographers how to switch over to video and create meaningful, story-driven films with confidence. Joining me is my co-host, Allison Redman, community leader for the Filming Life Academy and lead educator of our extremely popular sound design course. Together, we give you an inside look at what's happening inside the Filming Life Academy, along with tips and tricks that you can use right away to elevate your work as a filmmaker. If you're not already a member, but you want to be, you can sign up to the Academy over at filminglifeacademy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Filming Life Podcast. Allison, how are you doing? Hey, I'm okay. Why don't you start? I've had a bit of a rough week. How are you doing though? I saw a really fun picture on Instagram. What are you guys up to? Oh, well, we're building our house finally. So Mm -hmm. excavation started today and that's really, really exciting. It is exciting. Like two years in the making this house. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we're, I'm just pumped that it's actually happening and like we've broken ground and Mm -hmm. uh, we took our camp chairs and some ciders and sat out there on our our flattened block. It's not actually flat, but you know, flattish. Yeah. Um, Yes. And where our garage will be and uh, Mm -hmm. have a drink and yeah, we're so excited. Can't wait. That's awesome. I got to see the property when I was in Australia in this past year and it's just beautiful. It's this sloping hill. Mm-hmm. Is the tree going to be there? I can't remember. Anyway, it's yeah, just a beautiful property. two big trees that are still there. We did have to cut one down, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it overlooks water and mm-hmm. it's kind of beautiful sunset. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. It's so nice to finally kind of just have some space and build our dream home with all the things we want to do to it. So yeah, we, we're excited. And I think one of the most, um, I guess, interesting things to hear about that our viewers might be interested in, um, Mm -hmm. is that I, you know, living here in Australia as an American, a lot Mm -hmm. of the houses here are just different. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's just, they're like, they're just a little different. Um, and, and then kind of in suburbia, it's like a whole lot of that same different. Like there's some really um, beautiful, unique, heritage-looking homes um, in the older parts of the city that are just, you know, right. beautiful and character-filled. But like as you get further out, it's into suburbia. Right. It's like the same, the same, different, mm-hmm. the same. Like, and so yeah. um, when we were looking and we were planning on building, I just really wanted to build something that looked more like an American home to make oh. me feel more like I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, trying to like combine the two worlds sort of. Um, and so I really feel like the land and the area that we live in is very similar to Tennessee. So it already yes. kind of feels like more like home. And then um, we found a builder who like specializes in making homes that look more like American style, rural country looking homes. Yes. So um, that's what we're building. It's kind of like a sort of farmhouse, but more modern industrial farmhouse. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And I love it. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. So yeah. Uh, yay. I'm so glad they broke ground. I think I'm just going to have to come back and visit and like, what, how long is it going to be a year or mm. until it's like done? When is that? Uh, I know it could be as little as six months, but it could be Mm -hmm. like eight to nine, maybe 12 months. So I would say we're really, we would love Christmas, but we're thinking probably like more realistically, February, February, Mm -hmm. kind of a good, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, just in time for there to be a vaccine for all of us to travel again. Let's hope so. Let's hope hope so. Oh, man. About your week. Um, It's been a bit rough. I'm, as you guys know, I'm in Saudi Arabia and it's the summer here. We're not used to living here in the summer. We usually, we go back home um, and flights will be opening internationally probably in August. Um, But that's been a big blow because we don't get to go home and see family and it's been really hard. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about this in this episode because we're talking about our businesses and COVID. So I'll get more into that later, but um, it's just been hard. My kids are used to going at home and seeing their grandparents. And yeah. so trying to find a new normal with our summer. And as you guys probably know, Saudi is crazy hot and crazy humid. So going outside is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So trying to to be positive when there's a lot of hard happening, um, especially for my kids. That's um, yeah. a daily challenge. I think we're kind of, my husband and I are both struggling with right now. So that's, that's been challenging. It's been a rough week. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a long haul to sort of see like the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. You really can't like when you were so used to having that trip that you Mm -hmm. were looking forward to every year Mm -hmm. and then just have that taken away from you and, and to not know when you're going to be able to do it. It's right. And the kids, you know, they kind of get it for minor four and six, but they kind of just don't, you know, they, it's hard to get their little brains wrapped around it all. So yeah. That's kind of like for us, you know, having, planned that September or October trip to be able to go and see my parents and stuff. And then uh, having that taken away, the Mm -hmm. house building part is almost, you know, it's a good distraction. It's like, at least we have that that's going (laughs) right. (laughs) One good thing. One good thing. Yeah. So well, we'll move on. We had a lot of people sending questions in. Um, mm-hmm. We've got one that we have picked out from that was posted in the network, the Filming Life Network. And um, yes. it's from Andrea. This is a question that I, I really liked because I think we get this a lot. And it is, she said, what aperture do you commonly shoot in, especially indoors? I'm struggling shooting wide at 1.8 and keeping people in focus on manual, using manual. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. (laughs) Um, Well, so, you know me, I really like shooting wide. So I'm often Mm -hmm. at like Mm 1.4, 1.6, 1.8. In terms of like... Uh, keeping people in focus though it can be really hard when you're that wide and it's completely Mm -hmm. okay to close down 
increase your aperture, shoot at 3.0 if mm-hmm. that is what helps mm-hmm. and if that's what makes it easier for you. I think that sometimes, right. um, you know, people go really wide because they love that like blurry background. It can look really cinematic. Um, yes. Bokeh is really beautiful. But if you're not keeping people in focus, doesn't really <laughs> intentionally intentionally yeah if you're not in <laughs> a happy accident yeah <laughs> I do love an out of focus shot but yes um when you know if you're if you're not like if it's not uh if you're not being able to nail the focus when you need to then mm-hmm. you know being at 1.8 isn't going to do you any favors so yeah bump it up I think it's a great idea to bump it up and um, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you want that like bokeh, make sure that your subject is far away from the background. Like you're going to get, you're still going to get beautiful bokeh at 2.8, 3.0. Like it's going to still be nice. Um, so just don't be like afraid of experimenting. That's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Experiment because I think everybody's different. And for me personally, I find it easier to keep people in focus at, shallower apertures because I find it easier to see on the LCD screen when they are in focus, um, when it is that more kind of smaller plane. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of what, I don't know, that's my thought. What do you, Mm -hmm. what do you feel? Um, I have, maybe I can speak to the person who's just starting out. I remember when I first started out, I was like living at 4.0 and I was, it was very a happy spot for me. And I realized at one point after I was more comfortable with it, I was like, okay, I think I can go a little wider. And so I just kept going until, but I would, I didn't go, <laughs> I didn't go from 4.0 to 1.8 or 1.4. Like, you know, I don't think that's wise. Um, yeah. if you're just starting out, I think you take it gradually in increments and bring it down just a little bit, just a little bit and, and experiment and maybe don't use it on moving toddlers. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, be kind to yourself as you're practicing, if you're new at this, um, and it'll come. It does take practice though. It's not something, it's just, it's a learned skill like anything. And um, if you're new to your camera or maybe you just got a different, you switched to a different lens. I mean, it, every single lens has a different feel to it too. So you just have to build in the practice that you need to make that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just give yourself grace with it and it will come, but it's not, you don't want to necessarily start off at 1.8. It would be my <laughs> advice. You also wonder sometimes if it's, is it the aperture or is it just the manual focus? You know, like, is it, is it, is it really the aperture that's the issue or is it like not remembering which direction to turn when the person moves? Um, Mm. And so I would really encourage you to make sure that you're practicing manual focus and you know exactly like it's muscle memory it's automatic you know exactly which way to turn the lens to uh, if your subject is moving towards you and you know how far to turn the lens based on how far they've moved towards you like those are things that come with a lot of practice Um, Mm -hmm. but if you are are fumbling and you don't know which way to turn and you turn it too far because you're not used to how far you actually need to turn it to, mm-hmm. to move the plane exactly where you want it to go, then it's really not going to matter what aperture you're shooting in. Like it's, right. it's the issue is 
it's more of the mechanical nature of what it is you're doing and, right. and less about the, the fact that it's at 1.8. So I think, you know, experimenting with both those things, really practicing the actual technique of manual focus. Um, and we yes. have a lot of that material in the academy as well. Um, yeah which gives you like specific exercises and, and things to try and, and practice. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is something that gets skipped over a lot sometimes, you know, like when people are first reading because they're just so excited uh, to yes. <laughs> and make these films and, you know, it's so emotional and it's so beautiful and they want to edit to mm-hmm. the music and blah, blah, blah. But I think that sometimes like the manual focus side of it, that really like honing in that technique doesn't, it's not mm. always, it, it gets kind of skimmed over sometimes. So mm. you know, I think looking at it from both sides, like really um, practicing the manual focus um, a lot without any expectation of what you're going to use that footage for, just go outside and practice with some flowers or something. Um, And then also experimenting with different apertures and figuring out which one you are the most comfortable with um, and what you like the look of the most um, and what's easiest to see. And exactly Mm -hmm. like what Allison said, don't try, you know, if you're if you're try, if you're first starting out and you're shooting a lot of moving subjects, like don't go out in the middle of the day in full sun and try to film your kids riding bikes. Like riding bikes no. and manually focusing, no. the two do not go together. They're hard enough for someone who's really experienced. Like yes, <laughs> but I feel like this is the thing that everybody wants to do is film their kids riding their bikes. Like how many times do we see this in films that we we see? Oh my gosh. Uh, I love it. It's a great, it's a great thing to, to film, but it's really technically challenging. So I should have, I should have made a bloopers video. So my latest personal film was made from the handlebars of my bike while biking yeah. with my family, and I should have made a bloopers film for that film because oh my gosh, <laughs> the amount of times I fell off my bike, my phone or whatever device I was using <laughs> fell out of my hands. It's just, it's hard, guys. It takes practice. <laughs> Um, the, I was going to also say, I forgot this. If you're a Nikon shooter, which I think Andrea is, um, if I remember correctly, um, you do have an option that's called focus peaking. I'm not sure if Canon Sony has that, but my, Nikon's have focus peaking and it actually highlights on your screen. It's something you do have to do a couple of things to make happen, but it'll show you, um, where your focus is landing on your LCD screen. It'll be like a little highlighted red area. And I don't turn that on. Um, if I use a lens baby, sometimes I turn it on, um, just cause that helps a little bit with that particular lens. But, um, that's an option for Nikon users. If, if you're needing just a little extra edge, it's kind of like a cheat sheet. Yeah. Um, it must be just certain Nikons though, right? Like it's not all the entire range of Nikons that have focus. Yes, that's true. That is a good point. I think the 750, the 850 have it, but you're right. Not all of them do. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Same with Canon. There are certain ones that have focus peaking and certain ones that don't. Mm-hmm. Same with Sony and same with Fuji. So okay. um, yeah. check it out with your, like if you Google focus peaking and then put in your camera brand and model, yeah. you'll find out and I'm sure that there's a tutorial somewhere there that'll help <laughs> you learn how to use it. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> focus speaking is definitely something that can be um, a handy thing to use. Um, yeah, like you said, you can use it or not use it. It's a great thing that you can turn on or turn off. So, mm-hmm. awesome. 
So um, this is where we talk about our favorite things that we use and love when we are making films. This can be anything from gear to software and anything in between. And um, Allison's going to be doing it this time. So what do you got for us, Allison? What are you talking about? Well, my favorite thing is something that's been my favorite thing for a long time. I know you went with something a little new. I'm going to talk about something that I am obsessed with um, and I have been for gosh, maybe two or three years now. Um, I use a Wacom tablet and we were laughing about this before because we think it's pronounced Wacom. <laughs> we're not exactly Wacom. sure. <laughs> maybe somebody can write in and correct us. I'm sure there's a Google something I could search to figure it out. I didn't though. So we're going to go with Wacom today. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, it's um, essentially like an alternative, alternative to using a mouse um, or how else do people add a trackpad? Um, And it's a tablet that comes with a pen and um, it's all programmable and you can edit in Lightroom and in Premiere Pro, any program on your computer, any function on your laptop or your computer, you can use it as a mouse or a trackpad. It's the same thing. It's touch sensitive. It's Bluetooth enabled. Um, What I love most about it is I have a lot of hand problems and wrist problems just from editing and shooting, um, specifically hand problems. I have, like, I see a therapist for my hand problems and this thing, you hold the pen and it's ergonomically like correct. You're not putting your fingers or hand in any kind of strain when you're editing your videos and editing your photos. And I'm like, obsessed with it. I've gone through two of them at this point. Um, I started with a medium or maybe even large size one. And now I've moved to a small one. Give it about, I don't know, what did you say? A day or two to kind of get used to it. Um, And then you'll never, ever, ever go back to using a mouse or a trackpad again. It's the best thing ever. Um, I just love that it's programmable. So in like Lightroom, one of the things on it, I'll tell to be uh, like a a right click. But in Adobe Premiere Pro, if I press the same button, I can program it to be something completely different in Premiere Pro. And it's completely customizable. It's also touch sensitive, which is amazing. And if I'm feeling super lazy, I can sit on the couch and like have it Bluetooth. So you don't even have to have it plugged into your laptop and I can just edit just from my lap. It's, it's a, it's a great little device. So, and I know you use one too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think like early on when I first started editing video, I was like, I cannot do the Cause I had, um, De Quervin's tendonitis when I was mm-hmm. pregnant with Cooper, actually like going back 10 years. Um, nice. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, and because I uh, was looking after a little girl and I don't know what it was, pregnancy, hormones, whatever, mm-hmm. like loosens your tendons and whatever. Yes. So, um, and I was looking after this baby and I was picking out the baby a lot and I was doing it in the wrong way. And um, uh-huh. that is what really kickstarted it. And I used to have to wear a hand brace um, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of carried through. I haven't had issues with it since Lydia was a baby, but um, <clears throat> cause now I don't use, I don't try to like pick anything up with my thumbs up. I always hold my thumbs down when I'm like lifting kids or doing anything. Does that add strain to those tendons? I didn't um, know that. I feel yeah. like I should have known that. <laughs> makes a huge Thank difference. You. Taking notes right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so 
Yeah, it has always been a, like using a mouse and stuff for long periods of time has always been a real big issue. And and when you're doing video editing, there's so much like back and forth of like these tiny yes. little movements. Um, and so, yeah, I've always used the Wacom for that. Um, it's so much better. And I notice a huge difference. I, sometimes mm. even just like if I'm working on my website and I yes. use my mouse because I'm like, well, I'm not video, I'm not editing video and so I'll use my I'll, I'll use my mouse and then um after a while I'm like oh, wow, my hand hurts so much right <laughs> yeah I force myself to go sometimes I put my mouse away because if it's there I'll use it and if it's yeah, not yeah. I'll use the tablet um but yeah it's so useful I mean I don't like have any buttons programmed because I'm lazy and I haven't ever like <laughs> that properly um I think I have a couple of things programmed for like skipping forward and skipping back, but that's it. Right. Um, yeah. But it's really, really good. I'm a huge fan, huge fan. And same to, same as you, I had the large one and then went down to the small one, I think, or it was the medium or a large. It was big. Medium. Yeah. Kylie prefers the bigger one. Um, Does she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she always, and so she uses the bigger one on my laptop when she comes here to work, and okay. then I use the small one on my Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's quite quite funny. Um, but I just it make I feel like I don't have to you know travel as far with my yes. hand on the small one. Yeah, well, I really like. Yeah, it. I do too. I like it it almost hurts my brain to think about using a mouse. That's how much I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. I, by the way, I don't think I said the actual one because they have a couple different models of this. If you yeah, go to um, the, Wacom's website, yeah. it's the Intuos Pro is the yeah. one Intuos Pro. that we use. Intuos yeah. Pro. And if you're starting out, maybe start with medium, but just know you'll probably figure out which is best for you, medium, large or small after a little bit. Um, you can find them on Amazon, but pretty much any website has them to be honest. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah we love it. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's move into some Academy updates. Um, We have had a lot of new filming lifers take tests and pass. So we are going to um, list all those people on the show notes. So check those out Mm -hmm. and see who has done that. Um, Good job, everybody. our, Our filming lifers are a group of, um, people who have been members for at least four months and they do a test to just assess their knowledge. And, um, you know, we really look at this group of people as the ones to watch the ones that are, you know, taking it seriously and really invested in this. And, um, yeah, so that is the filming lifers. We also, if you don't know already, we've got a, um, free download PDF of 11 tips for new family filmmakers. So if you are interested yes. in grabbing that, head over to the website, filmingalifeacademy.com and you can just um, pop your email in and you can get that as a free download. So um, awesome. And also I'm working on new content for the Academy. This is something <clears throat> if you've um, been getting any emails from me or you're a member of the Academy, you know, um, mm-hmm. but I've been working on a lot of, on rewriting a lot of the courses that I've written and um, adding in new behind the scenes, adding in new tutorials. Mm-hmm. And I'm just working on that on a daily basis every single day. So Yay. Um, I'm, you know, making headway. really excited that, 
the um, intro to family filmmaking course is going to be called Foundations of Filmmaking, and that's going to be available really soon. So can't wait awesome. to um, put that out there. Yeah, yeah. It's looking so good, like really, really good. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, we wanted to also give an update on our six film challenge. So Allison, you want to tell people what that is and right. um, an update on that? Yeah, so throughout the year, we challenge our members to make a film every two months, essentially, and we've given themes throughout the year, and we're really excited because our latest theme is about to wrap up the end of the first week of July, and that's the theme theme of motherhood. We anticipate the motherhood theme is going to be huge. Um, we've already seen quite a number of submissions and we haven't even put the form <laughs> out there yet to submit. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about this challenge and we just challenge people to whatever that theme means to you in your life. And it can mean something very different depending on who you are and where you live and your stage of life and your family situation. And um, so we're really excited about that. And uh, once those themes are all submitted, we feature some of our favorites on our blog and social media. So you'll get to see them. Um, so that's the one that we are currently working on, but looking forward, I'm really excited about the next one. Uh, the next theme that is going to be for six film challenge is the double exposures theme. A lot of our members have been experimenting with this editing technique and we are actually doing a, our next podcast episode is about double exposures. So you're going to get a little bit of an insight into that. So that'll be for the month of July and August. So if you want to join us, come join us at the Academy and um, you can participate in the sick film challenge. And that's the next theme. So I can't wait to see, we've already seen a number of members kind of playing with that yeah. in their client and personal films, but to have a challenge devoted to it is, is new for us. So we're really excited yeah. to see the creativity that's going to go into that. And we can't wait to talk about it in our next episode as well. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. Yes, super exciting. Yes. So I guess we can move on to our main topic. And the main topic for this episode is family films in a COVID world. So yes. we want to just talk a little bit about, you know, what's current, what's going on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, kind of with that, we've talked about just what are sessions looking at, looking like now mm -hmm. compared to what they looked like before the COVID-19 mm -hmm. virus took over and changed right. how everything looks. Um, so what did the work here look like for you before COVID, Allison, and what's yeah. changed for you now? Um, well, my work here in Saudi, because of the heat and the temperatures, I think I've mentioned this before, my work here in Saudi is basically from October through about end of April, May. And so <laughs> COVID hit and all my photo sessions, um, late spring photo sessions got moved to the fall. Yeah. There's quite a few of them. And so that's been um, challenging. <laughs> Um, and then the biggest uh, change has been usually my family goes back, uh, travels somewhere. Um, this particular year, we were going to the United States. And so I had booked quite a number of family film sessions all around the United States and over the summer months. And those have all had to be pushed to October um, as of this week, actually. That's a very new development um, because we are still just 
trying to play things safe. My, the safety of my clients is very important to me. The safety of my own family is very important to me. And flights being even open is pretty crucial <laughs> for any kind of movement. And so for for me, um, everything essentially got pushed forward into my calendar year, which doesn't just affect this calendar year, it affects the next calendar year and in terms of editing and how much I can take next year. And so that has kind of blown my brain and I'm trying not to have a panic attack about it. It's, it's weird. I'm sitting here right now and I have work, but I'm almost at the tail of an end of it. I've got one more session I have to finish up and Oh, we're not talking personal work here because there's always personal work that I'm always backlogged on. But as far as client work, I've got one more session and then I am done with client work until I can start working again. So it's, it's been a huge impact to my business. Um, yeah. What about you? Um, I have had a lot of rescheduling happening. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, that's been kind of challenging. I had to cancel a workshop that I had planned in Queensland in July. Um, and there was, um, there's been about four sessions, family films that have been shifted to later in the year. The good thing is, is that, um, you know, here, like, it's okay. Like, there's only one session that is here um, that it was in Queensland that I can't do yet, and I don't know yet when I'll be able to go because the borders even between states are closed. Um, But there's – I have two sessions that I had booked in the U.S., which have Mm -hmm. been kind of shifted indefinitely. We don't know exactly when I'll be going back, so it's just kind of – right. rescheduling those for like whenever I can go back. Um, and so because that's what my plan was in September and October, I didn't have anything else booked in September and October. So my June, my May and June clients have been able to shift to September and October Mm -hmm. and it's kind of worked out in terms of, you know, evening. And so I'm not overloading any months. Mm. So that's Mm -hmm. been good. Um, I'm still, I'm always like never wanting to book anything in December. So I still don't have December booked. That's a win for me. Like as long as I'm not having Mm. to work in December, (laughs) um, I usually always end up doing a session like at the beginning of December anyway, but at this stage, I'm good. I'm really doing good with that. Um, because it's, that's our school, like that's, that's our summer. That's our school holidays. It's hot. There are fires. It's Christmas. (laughs) Like it's just not a good time to shoot. So, um, Mm. Yeah. And I also don't really like editing during that time because I'd rather just be with family. You can't with the kids behind being home. It's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I, you know, in terms of sessions, that's really what's changed. Um, we were talking about how a normal work year is not in the cards for us. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what was normal now is no longer normal. So, a lot of it, a lot of like, like what I was saying, um, my schedule is going to be a lot busier later in the year because of the recess yes. sessions. 
Um, but at the same time, like I know that that's going to end up working out okay. And it, and it's going to, um, it, for me, luckily it's, it's worked out fine. I think that, um, an easy or a thing that if you're someone listening that, um, I would suggest like being really mindful of is just not trying to take on too much. And that's why Mm -hmm. I said, like, I'm really wanting to make sure I don't do anything, book anything in December because I just, it's been a hard year. I think it's going to be a hard year for everyone. So like, yes, you don't want to be shifting everything to December thinking you can do it. And then Mm -hmm. end up getting really burnt out in November and December. I mean, and you know, if financially that's what you have to do, then you have to do it. But if, if you can Mm. get away with spreading things out and doing something a little different to bring in and make up for the money you've lost, try and do that. Like think smart, like work, work smarter, not harder. So I've, I've been asking these rescheduled clients, the specifically the photo shoot clients, it's a little harder with family film, but with the photo shoot clients. I had, I think six in May and April that I had to reschedule. And I've been asking them, Hey, is there any way in October, November, whenever your session ends up being that you can do it a weekday? And a lot of them were like, yeah, sure. My husband can get off work early that day or whatever. If, Cause sunsets a lot earlier that time of year. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And it's not something I normally ask for because it's a little harder on my end, figuring out end of school day, childcare, all that stuff. But, um, it allows my weekends to not be every single weekend until Christmas, you know, which I don't love. Like you were saying, you've got to protect your own time. And normally if I was used to having weekends and now I need to push these people into slots that I normally would have reserved doing it on a weekday still gives me the work, but it's, it's a creative solution to a problem. If the clients are able to do that and that I would say 90% of them have said that's fine. So that's really worked out well for me. Um, And I don't feel like I'm, yeah, I don't feel like I'm giving up, you know, my weekend, which is, prime time for family. I do usually work some weekends, but I don't want to be like, I don't want it to be every single Saturday, Sunday until Christmas all fall. Uh So, or that time of year. So that's a solution that I found that has worked for my business. Um, as far as rescheduling is asking people to do weekdays if they can. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, surprisingly, like I think people would be surprised at how flexible, other people will be with them, especially if you're mm-hmm. like, look, I really want to try and make this work. Here's what's going on. Can you do this instead? Like, don't be afraid to just ask people um, because the worst they can do is say no. And then, right. You know, so, right. um, yeah. Keep in mind, these people have booked you for you. Like they, whenever they paid you or are paying you, they're, 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 they want you, they have chosen you for whatever service that you're offering them. So they're, most likely going to be willing to be a little patient because they're in the middle of this pandemic, just like you are. It's not like you're an anomaly having an issue. I mean, I know we all live in different places, but we are all a part of the same crazy story that we're living in right now. So their flexibility, they're probably going to be more flexible, like you said, than Yeah. 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 So, um, are you doing anything different? Like if you were to go and do a session right now, are you wearing a mask? Will you do that? Oh, I'm not doing a session right now. So that's a hard question to ask. Um, I, you know, okay. So if one of my types of sessions I offer is a sand, sand dunes photo session. I realize this isn't videography related, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> I live in the middle of the sand dunes. So I offer a photo session in the sand dunes. And normally I travel with the clients in, our, in the car 
because mm. it's so far away. It's about an hour and a half from where we live um, to get to the type of dunes that we need to shoot in. And that's a big fat no now. Absolutely uh, not going yeah. to be in the car with them. Yeah, it's going to be a separate car. And then, yeah, I think I am wearing a mask. Um, and I, I think I am, especially because, you know, with young kids, you're getting up there in with them, you're chatting, then you're pulling back to take shots or whatever. I think I am. Um, but if it's outdoors, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much that goes into it. Yeah. I, I, I think I want to know ahead of time if, how, if their temperatures have been taken. Like I said, right now, it's a very active thing in Saudi Arabia. We're at our peak right now. So I'm trying to imagine if we're past the peak, how I'm going to feel yeah. about that. And yeah. um, I would want to know that they're not sick. I would want to know that, yeah. um, that I'm doing what I can to to protect them. And I think being outdoors is really good. Like I feel comfortable with the idea of shooting outdoors right now with the situation that I'm in right now, but I realize everybody's situation is a bit different. What about you? Would you? Oh God, I feel like we're so blessed right here because like no one is wearing masks. I mean, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean like they were freaking out here because in Victoria there were like 20 cases instead of 10 the other day. I mean, I just don't, like, it's, it's like, I think if there were cases everywhere, then, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for sure. But, like, at this stage, if I had to wear a mask while I was shooting for three Mm -hmm. hours, I'm, I think I'd be postponing them. Like, I think I'd be, like, I just don't know. I'd probably try it once. Mm. I don't know. Definitely though, like sanitizing, hand sanitizer, Mm -hmm. obviously, like if I've got even the slightest whiff of feeling sick, I'm not going, Mm. I'm going to check and make sure that they're not sick. Um, But you know, I mean, I feel like there's so many chances anyway of like, (sighs) this is probably the wrong way to look at it. But like, if I, if there's if they're asymptomatic like they could get I could get it even if they don't have a feet like it you know right and not go into that but like I just I don't know I feel that it's a weird thing and it's a this weird, is one of those things sorry go ahead it's a weird like geographical thing too it's like so different yes, I was just about to say that yes here. exactly <laughs> it's just so different here and I think we kind of are like in a bubble of of uh you know it's not it's not a it's an issue and we're all terrified of it and we don't want it coming Mm -hmm. here but it's kind of like just as long as we keep the borders closed we're fine (laughs) coming from the people that are coming in from overseas and other places it's not really there's not a lot of community transfer happening here so most of the Mm -hmm. cases are people who have returned from overseas Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like out in the community, even of the cases that we have, at least in Sydney, it's not, I'm pretty sure it's not out in the community. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of, I think as always you have to follow, we have, we should say you should be following whatever guidelines your particular if the law yeah. says, and the city says, <laughs> and the government says, wear a mask. You should be doing that. Yeah. You should be right. doing that. Donald Absolutely. Trump. <laughs> that is what you should be doing. But (laughs) when you're in Australia and like very few people have it and um, the government is saying masks aren't going to help you, then yeah, yeah, 
it's different. Yeah. How are, okay. So how are you protecting yourself? Because I think this does apply across the board. How are we protecting ourselves when it comes to the legalities of this? And I should probably start by saying we don't want to be giving any kind of legal advice here. Um, I'm just asking, right. So we are not giving legal advice, but um, how are each of us, how are you uh, protecting yourself contract wise? Um, I think we have to think about that. You can't just assume it's okay. Um, how, how can videographers, photographers protect themselves legally yeah. with all of this? Well, so you shared with me that there are some resources available out. Um, you mentioned shopcreativelaw.com and thelawtalk.com mm-hmm. have some like COVID clauses that you can yes. add into your contracts. I think that's really mm-hmm. clever. Um, yes. I think it's really smart. Um I have not personally done that or thought about, but like all of my contracts are already signed. So right. That's like, a good point. Then yeah. go out and I mean, I'm not like at this stage, I'm not really booking a lot of new stuff cause I'm booked through the rest of the year. And I kind of want to just right. take a break at the beginning of the year. Cause I'm probably going to be moving. <laughs> so right. um, I'm not really booking a lot of new stuff right now. And So, you know, everybody's already signed their contracts. Um, Mm. You know, if like for, if you've got a session coming up and they've already signed a contract, would you resend the contract? I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. I might, I might consider it because most of my sessions are going to have to have a rescheduled date put in there. So there's going to be a communication factor happening at some point for me saying, Hey, we're going to have to push your session out. So I'm just going to change that on your contract. I'm going to have to anyway. Um, I've also updated the language for COVID and it, it protects them and it protects me. It holds me to, Mm. you know, I'm not going to show up with a fever and I'd like you to do me the courtesy of also not having a fever while I show up, you know, like just protecting each party. I think that's a wise way to do it. Um, Another resource is the Photo Biz X. I forgot to mention this. So we talked about Law Talk, Shop Shop Creative Law. Um, Photo Biz X also has a number of resources as well for um, COVID-related language and ideas. So um, check out those websites. Until you mentioned it to me, like I hadn't even really thought that that's something. (laughs) So well done. I think that's really great. Um, And if you're like me and you hadn't really thought about it, think about whether you want to do it or not. I don't know. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, always, you know, refer to a resource that knows about this kind of stuff. People who actually Mm -hmm. know and understand law. Right. And it's always great to have a lawyer go over your contract as well. Um, But yeah. So what do you think in terms of like, if you're someone who um, has had to, you know, had a lot of cancellations. You got a lot of time off. What are you going to do with yourself during this period of time? What do you do? Yeah, that's huge. We're talking about mindset. Um, I feel like all of us at some point have already, or are going to go through some kind of a mental, like, oh my gosh, moment, what is going on? Cause you're used to working, you're used to being doing things and all of a sudden your life has radically changed and there's a lot more people at home and the norm is not the norm. And you might have more time on your hands right now um, because you're not necessarily doing sessions or maybe you're entering that phase. Um, Whatever it is, it's extra time. And if you're a doer like me, it's hard (laughs) to turn that off. (laughs) I find it very um, unnerving to not 
to know that I have one more client session to work on. And then it kind of panics me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my time? Um, so for me, that looks like, um, I like the idea of having things, goals, I guess is what you could call it for my business that I never, ever have the time to work on normally, that I do have this luxury of maybe two months where there isn't a lot going on and to just own that and find things that I can really invest my headspace into business-wise. I've always, there's a couple of classes I have been wanting to take for two years and I just have mm -hmm. not had the time to do them. So I'm going to treat myself to that. Um, and I, that's, that can only help my business. And it might not even have to help my business. What if it helps my creativity? Like that's yeah. fantastic. There's nothing, yeah, it's nothing bad about that. Um, what about you personal wise, business wise? How do you feel about all that? Oh, well, I mean, I feel like um, it's always a really good idea to use the time wisely when you, you know, aren't able to shoot other people. Um, and, so you could set a goal like you were talking about. Um, you could create a show reel. Uh, you could plan out your marketing plan for the next six months. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't even have anything lined up for mm -hmm. when you could potentially be able to start shooting again, you should probably just try and make a plan to figure out <laughs> how <laughs> you can how you can get a client <laughs> when you're able to shoot again. So I would use that time wisely to uh, come up with a marketing plan. Um, and I would, you could do, like I said, show reel, create um, some short little promotional videos as part of your marketing plan to, yeah. um, to put out there, uh, talk, talk about your business. I think, Someone who I was in a in a Facebook group with recently put a post up about um, how she's really frustrated at the moment because she doesn't have a lot to share, um, mm. you know, because she's wanting to share stuff on social media, but she's only got like, you know, the last yeah. sessions that she's done. It's been a while. She's not shooting right now. So like, how does she share on show, social media? Right. I don't have any fresh content. And, um, you know, that got me thinking about us and fam family films and how like we post it once and then, you know, yes, like, yes. We have, you know, in a photography session, you, you, at least you have a lot of photos that you can post from that. Um, but with a film, it's like you post it once. And then I, I, I think that, and I mean, like, I try to do this, but like I can see a lot of people just posting the one time and it's on their IGTV and then that's it. And mm. I just would, would encourage people to like take cuts of yes. you know, their favorite parts of the film and one minute, those. one minute. Yeah. One minute cut or like, you know, a really sweet moment from a film the best oh, yeah. because a lot of times too, like you got to remember when people are going through Instagram and you have a, like a long introduction to your film, right? It's unlikely. <laughs> I, get. I mean, it's really great artistically, but like, <laughs> it's that's all they're seeing. That, it's not that engaging for people. So it's no. a really good idea to cut like the most emotional or impactful or you know whatever mm. best moments um, into like even thirty second clips 
um, as a post. You can go up to 60 seconds, but anyway, and then with that, you could say something about that. Like, what was it that you loved about that moment? And what did you see Mm. in that mom? What did you see in that dad? What did you see in that child? What did you, you know, like think about ways Mm. you can just talk about what you saw, why you captured it, why you, why you feel like it's special, why you think other people should have this, like all of that. And those are just ways to use content that you already have um, that you may not be thinking about right now. So, And it puts you in charge of the message because when, like you said, when you're putting the full three minute film on Instagram, chances of them seeing minute, two minute and 58 yeah. seconds in is just probably not high. So yeah. it's putting you in charge of the best moment. And that's amazing because mm-hmm. that keeps their attention and it gets your message across quickly. And I love that idea. Yeah, um, I need to do that more. I like that a lot. Yeah. We, um, we do a Filming Life loop at Filming Life Academy. We have a monthly loop for our members. And so if you've ever been a part of an Instagram loop, it's when all of us post a film at the same time and all you can all engage at the same time. So if you're a member, you can, that's a great time. If you don't maybe have a film that you're working on right now, like we said, that's a great time to put in a, a moment of a film that you've made that you love just yeah. to kind of show that to your audience. Totally. I, um, for the last Instagram loop, I actually posted my show reel when I realized mm. it's been like a year since I posted it. It was like, <laughs> I should really post that again. I think it's a good show reel. show reel. You should be posting it, you know, way more often mm. than yearly. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I think that's something that gets overlooked, and so um, I think that's one one idea that you can do. Um, so yeah, I think we've we've covered a lot. I guess that's kind of COVID sucks, and it's just kind of about yeah. like figuring out what you can do with your time. Like get outside and walk. Um, mm. You know, go Take a bike ride. If you're finding yourself getting frustrated I personally have um I mean if you've ever heard me talk you've always heard my story I I struggle with anxiety and depression it's really easy for me to kind of get into a a really negative headspace and just struggle with Mm. motivation to want to get up and do anything um but going outside for a walk and I'm thankful that my husband you know he's working from home and he's really encouraging me to do that with him uh, I don't awesome. always pick him up on it with, but <laughs> when I do, I always feel better when I do. Totally. So, you know, it just helps you get into a different headspace and it clears your mind and it motivates you. Yeah. And fresh air is necessary. Sunlight is necessary. So if you're, and, if you're finding yourself staying inside a lot, get outside. Right. And stuff. Yeah. I, and I think giving yourself grace to not, not feel like you have to be doing too much either. Maybe you're a different personality type where it's, you're just in a funk and maybe you just need to be in a funk for a little bit and yeah, sit with that. And like you said, get out, do what's necessary, but don't feel like you have to be productive either. Um, like yeah. I told at the beginning, I, we've had a really rough week here and probably one of our roughest weeks in about nine years of living here, it's been really hard. And I find myself in the afternoons, just like in the garden in our backyard and working on making things flower and watering things. And it's not something I've ever, ever done before, but I've really found 
that to be helpful to me. So whatever that looks like for you, um, it's okay to just own that space. I think there's a lot of pressure in our society to feel like you have to be productive and that's good, but it might also not be good. So (laughs) don't feel bad. (laughs) That is so true and really good advice. And also I think just adding to that when you are, um, as, as someone who's been in business and photography for, however Mm. long now feels like six or seven years something um Mm -hmm. full-time business it's like I love it so much everything Mm -hmm. like in me and my core I'd be doing this whether this was making me money or not but at the same time like when it's your full-time job it can take over and when you're not also doing things for yourself, mm. it can be really easy to um, become resentful of this thing that you love so much. And so yeah. like you have found gardening as something that's therapeutic and stress relieving for you. I think it's mm. really important to, to recognize that, yeah, photography may have always been a hobby for you and it may have always been your outlet, but, but maybe now you need to find another thing. I know yes, photography yes. is your full-time gig now. Like you got to love that. Yeah. Think about finding another other thing that you can do <laughs> step away from it. Um, so yeah, that's really, really good. Um, it goes without saying that there's a lot going on in the world right now. So um, we hope that you're hanging in there. We are doing our best to hang in there and um, we love hearing love to- from you. Yes. And, yes. Um, if you have any questions for us, please email us at Courtney at filmylifeacademy.com. Um, we can always answer your questions on the podcast. And um, yeah, that's about it. You got anything else you want to say, Allison? Just stay well, hang in there. We're with <laughs> you guys. We love hearing from you. So yeah, reach out if you have anything. Thank you for listening. For sure. Thanks, you guys. We will chat to you soon.